Welcome to Healing the City podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Albert Dennis and we talk about him growing up with unhealthy boundaries in two contexts and how Jesus has ministered to him and also his ability to now see people as they are and not how they look. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All right, so I'm going to do an intro and then we'll get started. Okay. Welcome to Healing the City podcast. This is Adrian Crawford. Today I have a special guest, Albert Dennis. Welcome, Albert. Thank you. And Albert and his wife, Jessica, are lovely people, and we got the chance to get to know them when we went to Rocky Point this summer um, for a couple days. It was really fun to play some games, get to know their baby, who's super sweet. And I think at that point, was he just learning to walk? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he kept falling on those stairs. Yeah. Uh, so he was he was learning. Yeah. <laughs> he was really cute yeah. around the water because he wanted to mm. to chase the ocean yeah, like yeah. most children and don't right. have any idea how dangerous Yeah. it actually is. Right, right. Yeah. But yeah, in our in our house that we rented, there was one step into the living room, right? Or were there more than one step? Like a couple steps. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really tricky for a little man. It was. But yeah, so it's been really fun to get to know you guys. And recently, you published uh, an article in the village on the we- village website, uh, sharing a little bit about your childhood and and some of your story. And so I thought it would be great if you would come in today and talk more about it. So my first question or prompt to discuss is if you could just share like where you grew up and a little bit about, you know, your family. Do you have brothers and sisters? Um, and, you know, just a little bit there and then we'll hmm. move forward. Okay. Uh, where I grew up. Well, um, my family kind of moved a lot. So I lived for 12 years in a little city in Texas called Manville. Mm-hmm. And we had um, kind of like a ranch and I lived there until I was 12, and then we moved to Houston, and I lived in southwest Houston for a few years, Um, and then from there, I went down to Bronzeville, and that's where I met Jessica, and then I lived there until high school, and then I went to the military and went all over the place. Um, My family is, um, that's like a whole story, because it's not like a normal situation kind of family thing. But uh, my mom, uh, my dad was around until I was 12. um, And then he he went to prison. So he was out of the picture. And I had my brother for some of the time. uh, He was kind of like kidnapped at some point. (laughs) So I didn't grow up with him for a period of my life, but he was there for a little bit of it. And then I have a younger sister. She's 10 years younger than me. And I also didn't live with her for a part of my life. So uh, we were kind of all split up at various points in time. But so my family was just, uh, mm, they were just there. We mm-hmm. didn't really do like family things or um, so. Yeah, I guess that's uh I don't know how deep we want to get into that. Sure. <laughs> That's yeah. like the intro. Sure. The well, family. I mean, we can certainly, if you're open to it, talk about it on another 
episode. Um, and just so you know, like I grew up with a complicated family too. So okay. just sharing in that experience that it does, you know, make things different. Mm. Um, and, you, and so in the article that you po- posted on the village website, you talked about how you grew up, you know, experiencing life one way and then made a major change in your life and things. Well, we'll get there. I don't want to jump too far ahead. So if you would just like share and, you know, I think the thing that I really want to talk about is the heart behind it and how you felt before and then after and how and that kind of realization. So if um, if you could just talk about the relationship that you had with your mom and with food as a child. Oh, yeah. Um, hmm. Okay, so my mom, she we so we didn't really have much of a relationship aside that I was like a dependent and I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't really like talk or we didn't really hang out. Um, so at the time that I wrote the article, I was young, so you know, maybe eight, nine, all the way up to my teenage years. So the only interactions I had with her, um, well, I guess let me proceed with something else because then it would make more sense. Sure. But when my, mm, when the whole thing with my dad happened, it was like a few years before he went to prison. Uh, they were just having a lot of troubles. And so me and my brother were just kind of there off to the side and there was a lot of fighting and it was just kind of very volatile so um and I, w- I was I was kind of a whiny kid I would say probably maybe more than average I don't know um but uh yeah my mom's mechanism to address my like whining or um to get me to be happy was to just like give me what I wanted and at that time we were very wealthy um and so i had all the toys and all that stuff at that age and so the only other thing that i really wanted was i loved eating and (laughs) so she would just kind of uh give me whatever i wanted to eat without any like adult advice Mm -hmm. or intervention it's like oh i want to eat chili cheese fries and a chili cheese burger and that's like my mom's like all right we'll get you that And, Mm -hmm. and there was none of this like you know, that might be unhealthy for you, or we never had those discussions. Uh, so, yeah, so that was kind of like, that was kind of like the immediate response to me, like just feeling bad, or that was my mechanism to make myself feel good was to eat food. Um, so that, that kind of like, you know, I guess led me into getting very overweight was when all that stuff happened with my family. Um, I guess that was my coping mechanism was just to like eat stuff and, you know, cause eating good stuff like that makes you feel good mm-hmm. <laughs> at least in the moment. Sure. Uh, so, so yeah. Did you yeah. understand what was happening with your dad at that point? Did No, no, no. Okay. I, I, I understand now. Um, that's a whole story. Right. But, uh, no, I had no idea. No, no. I mean like, uh, my mom never like explain anything to me or mm-hmm. um, I mean obviously I ask questions that's like part of my being is like asking tons of questions but I think she just wouldn't um, she would she would either lie or just not 
answer them. It's mm-hmm. kind of like <clears throat> so. Yeah, yeah. So as a child, you're you're watching your parents, and then your dad's gone. You don't really understand why, and then she's just making it better, or not, or maybe assuming she's making it better by giving you all the things that she thought. Maybe, yeah. Do you think she thought about it, like? Uh, about what in particular? About like the lasting results of this like like that this was the way that no 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 i don't think there was any like a future like a thought in anything yeah okay it was more like i think she thinks very much in the moment like how can i get by in this moment i don't think there was any thought of like the lasting psychological effects of like what was going on here like you know Uh uh-huh yeah and so can you share a little bit about your experiences as you got older and, and became more aware of of who you were becoming and how people saw you and how you saw yourself? Mm. Are, we, so, are we still in the time span of me being a teenager and yes. like overweight kind of thing? Yeah. So in the article, you kind of talked about like experiences getting on the bus or experiences in the classroom and... Oh, and yeah, how yeah. those things sort of started to shape the way that you saw yourself. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, um, okay. Well, yeah. So I, uh, hmm. it was a very depressing time for me. So I, I, I saw myself as like, like nothing, like, um, like, uh, hmm, that's the right word. Like, like I didn't exist kind of thing. Like I just, uh. I was always very depressed and like I wrote in the article, I was just, I got to a point where I was just super overweight. Um, I couldn't play any sports with the kids at, at that time. Um, all I did was play video games and eat food. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I, I didn't, uh, I mean, uh, all the other kids in school I thought were like way cooler than me. They, you know, they, they were in like shape or at least what I thought was in good shape. And, uh, yeah, I always got made fun of. So I, I was definitely like the kid got bullied all the time. Mm. Um, and so I thought, I thought nothing of myself. Uh, I wrote in the article about like, yeah, like how you said the school bus thing. Um, I mean, I never talked to anybody on the school bus and it was always kind of like awkward because I would get on there and it's like, kind of barely fit through the aisle so i'd be like bothering people as like you know i'm trying to like get through this thing and my body's like touching them as i'm like moving through it was like so humiliating every day like having to go through that um and then i i wrote in the post about um like one time in in class that um some kid like just poked me uh he was being mean uh, he just poked me in the belly and he did like the woohoo kind of like, uh, it's like that cookie guy, Pil- Pillsbury. Pillsbury, Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah. So that was kind of like one of the reoccurring jokes in school for me was to listen to that. But I just remember I felt so little at that point because he did that. And then I like, you know, farted. Um, and then, so that was embarrassing. And then like everyone heard and then, uh, and then even the teacher was laughing. So it was just very sad. And I remember I, I just like cried and I, I I ran out of the room and I don't remember what happened after that, but there was a lot of thoughts of, uh, like suicide and like 
you know, my family doesn't like, I don't feel like they love me and I don't have anyone at school that loves me or even is my friend. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was just very lonely. So I think that answers the question. Yeah, it does. Okay. And you talked about in the article how the teacher laughing was a unique experience because she's supposed to be the adult and ally to all children, right? Presumably. Yeah, so that, that was like that was like a pivotal moment actually um, because I expected the behavior from other kids, but then to see like, you know, at least I thought adults were supposed to be at least anchors in my life, like role models or um, I was always seeking a role model because I didn't have any at home. Um, and so to me, teachers were my role models in a way because um, I love learning things and understanding how the world works. I've always been like that. So I've had various teacher role models. And uh, yeah, just to see like, okay, even like my role models laughing at me was kind of like, it was just very sad. Yeah. And 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 yeah, then that that was like, man, I got, I really got nobody. Like, hmm just by myself yeah so what how old were you when that happened ish uh that was like middle school sixth grade i think Uh uh-huh and so at some point you decide to make a change a physical change Mm. so not entirely that way okay um the way it happened was so I lived a very wealthy life up to 12, 13. Okay. Because my dad was a very, very talented jeweler. And he made all kinds of like custom rings that nobody could make. So we were very well off. Um, when everything happened and he went to prison, my mom like wanted to sustain that life. And the way she did it, um, she just tried to find a boyfriend that, had that same capacity and so we had various boyfriends throughout my life and um eventually we got to a point where we became extremely poor because she wasn't really um skilled in much of anything to make a living mm-hmm. um so that's kind of interesting and that's a whole nother story like i lived like a very wealthy life we even had a private jet at one point Oh wow! So it's extremely wealthy. It wasn't just no, no. We yeah, we were like millionaires. Like uh, I remember in the private jet, I had my own fridge, and I had like all kinds of candy in there. <laughs> wow! And we traveled like all over the place, and um, and uh, th- there's a lot of stories to that. Uh, uh, yeah, I remember I bribed a kid with like a hundred dollar bill one time to be my friend. Um, very sad. Yeah. Um, but anyways, what I was getting at was that um. Eventually, uh, she couldn't sustain those boyfriends anymore. And so we had nothing. We went from everything to like absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And I was literally eating bread and bologna, and that's all I ate um, for a long time. Um, where was I getting at? Lost my train of thought. So I had asked what? you. Oh, yeah. How did uh, I start losing weight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. So, uh-huh. uh, okay. So. One of our boyfriends, when we were poor, he he was a uh, he was very mean and very abusive. 
um, to both my mom and to me and my brother and sister. And um, I remember he was he was extremely fit, and he used to be like some pro like fighter. Um, and I remember he would always tell me like the nastiest things, like "You're disgusting" or "You're you know you're so fat, like you need to lose weight." And I'm like, okay, like <laughs> I don't know what to do, like yeah. Um, and so it was forced the way I lost my weight. So they just stopped kind of like feeding me and I remember um the first day that it happened was on Thanksgiving and they wouldn't let me eat and he he put me in a car and he drove me away like several miles and he just like dropped me off he said all right well you gotta make it back home he's like it's probably faster if you run and so I'll never forget that and that's how it started and uh yeah so so they changed my my diet um and so i couldn't eat certain things i remember all i I would eat sometimes is like a baked potato like that would be my meal and i would put salt and pepper on it and then that was it (laughs) wow so uh and then the other so this was already my freshman year of high school um, this is when I started losing the weight and then I had lost it all by like uh, my s- late sophomore, early junior year. So it took about a year of this kind of behavior. But um, so I was like malnourished and um, we ended up moving to some other house and I really liked my school, but it wasn't zoned for that school. And uh, I remember asking like, you know, can I get a ride to and from school? And they said no. Um, and one of my friends from band, um, he was like my only friend actually at the time, he would give me a ride to school. Um, and then on after school, uh, I wouldn't want to go home. So I would just stay in the band hall and I would practice my, my tuba until they kicked me out. And so then when they kicked me out, I would just run back home. And how far away? Was uh, it was about like six miles. Okay. So um, so I ended up, I mean, obviously I couldn't run at first, but um, I would just try. Mm-hmm. Um, and so eventually I would, yeah, I would run the whole way. Um, so, and <laughs> I have a, a few friends um, that could probably tell you funny stories about like, all right, well, uh, I want to come over to your house. And they're like, okay. Um, he's like, I guess I'll see you in two hours. <laughs> and be like, yeah, all right, I'll see you in two hours because I had to go run over there because <laughs> I would never get a ride or anything. Uh, so, Like because your parents wouldn't give you a ride or because it just became your way of independence? Like I'll just no, get no, myself they, places. No, they wouldn't give me a ride. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't like it. Um, okay. I mean, I did like running at some point because it gave me like some sense of power and accomplishment. Like, wow, I can finally do something. Like, uh-huh. um, but it came out of like, it came out of the origin of like a very bad place. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how it started. It wasn't, and and I I still didn't even understand what was healthy. 
Uh-huh. It was not a healthy process. Right, because eating a baked potato with salt and pepper, like you said, it doesn't give you protein. Yeah, I was extremely malnourished. And vegetables. I yeah. mean, I dropped, I was like in the 240 range, and I dropped down to like 150, but I was like skinny, skinny, skinny. Like, mm-hmm. uh, for my build, I felt like skinny, like no muscle, like just... Um, and uh yeah it wasn't healthy i i i um, even to this day i lost it too fast and not in a good way like my skin is like all messed up mm-hmm. um and that still like affects me today like i feel like i'm in great shape like best shape of my life but i still feel like ugly because my skin's like all super loose and it just wasn't healthy the way i had done it um i mean not that i had any choice but yeah so anyway, that's how it happened. Yeah. And so that's why I'm so health conscious now because when I became an adult and I had the thought process to learn on my own and not rely on anybody, I was able to learn everything I wanted. And so that was a big focus at first was like, I need to understand what is healthy because I feel like that all that ha- that happened wasn't right. And so yeah. I kind of taught myself. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask you about is that even though you lost all this weight and you stopped getting made fun of for the way you looked, you still experienced the same emotion, which was loneliness, at least what you wrote in the article. Yeah, yeah, and 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 actually, yeah, I, I still got made fun of um, because uh, <laughs> I, st- I still knew the same people because I was in, you know, high school so it's all the people who made fun of me in my freshman year were still making fun of me in my junior year oh, okay. uh-huh. so that's where that slim came from uh-huh. it was it was kind of like i don't know i didn't take it as a good kind of nickname um and then yeah then i got made fun of for eating rabbit food that's what they would say are you eating rabbit food um and i remember there was like a pivotal moment where i like started defending myself and i remember one guy uh he he said it to me, and I was like, I'm just, I'm just so tired of hearing this. And I I just looked over at him, and I like, I smashed his his whole lunch tray into the ground. And I remember I was like so mad. Um, and he actually stopped picking at me after that. Hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, well, and I think what I had wrote was, mm, yeah. Even though I had lost all the weight, and I thought like, oh, I I look better now like I look good like it's still I still was pretty upset and depressed because people were treating me differently like you know people didn't know me before or even like people who just like they would have walked over me and they would have just not even known I existed are now all of a sudden like oh hey you know what's your name and I was like wow I was like you don't you just care about how I look like you don't care about me like Mm -hmm. um so I was still pretty bitter. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I realized that in this world, like, um, it's just a fact that people treat you differently based on how you look. Um, and so that was a that was a big thing in my mind, um, especially now as an adult. Like, I feel, I feel like the whole experience was, like, really traumatic um, and tragic. But... I'm grateful for it because I feel gifted in the way that I can be unbiased when I look at someone mm. because I always have a reminder to myself like, well, you were, you know, you felt like nothing before at one point and then 
and then you lost weight and you thought you were something but i mean yeah people weren't truly looking into your heart they're just looking at like the way you looked and they were judging you based on the way you look and so so yeah so uh that's a big part of who i am today um and yeah that's that's hard in a way because a lot of people are very um judgmental and and they like segregation of like races and stuff and i have like such a hard time with that <laughs> and it gets me in trouble um yeah there was i mean there was a time like um i was at jessica's house and there's some words being thrown around about like you know black people and it just like i got so infuriated and i kind of like made an awkward scene and then walked away <laughs> yeah but it's just like i can't i can't hold it in i got so much like emotion towards mm-hmm. people like classifying each other and it's just like it's just so like i don't know i want to say disgusting like it's just it is disgusting it's, it's horrible yeah, like it uh, uh so anyway so yeah that's kind of what i guess i was alluding at when i wrote that in that post so you've been listening to healing the city podcast with adrian crawford don't forget to subscribe on itunes and spotify and follow us on facebook and instagram 